Tyler and his family. You guys live in Shelton? Shelton, a son, and how many kids you got? <laughs> Multiply and subdue. Six kids. Okay, how many boys, how many girls? Five boys and a girl. Okay, what's the girl's name? Lily, Lord, we bless Lily. <laughs> we ask this, Lord, bless her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Five boys. Oh, Jesus. Say that again. Wave your hand, Tyler's mom. Where you at? Oh, we see you. Bless you, woman of God. And, and your name? Barbara? Welcome, Barbara. Are you in the area? Shelton? All right, come on. Shelton. Praise God. Everyone give. You can come up if you're not ready. Even if Tyler's speaking, you can still come and bring your offering. Would you guys give me a, a warm welcome as the man of God comes on stage and brings us the word? make me happy that I live in Washington State. We've been thinking about moving, and I'm like, maybe we won't go. You guys are a breath of fresh air, man, I'm telling you. Jeez. Oh, man. You guys give God a reason to smile upon this state right now, I'm telling you. This is no small thing. Yeah, I love you guys. Thank you for loving Jesus. Tom and Katie, thanks for loving Jesus. You guys are awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming, Mom. Love you. <clears throat> my mom's one of my heroes. She... Uh, she was there the day my dad died in my arms of a sudden heart attack. We went through that together. It was, the, it, was a, it was an awful day. And the reason why she's my hero is because she lived through hell and still loves Jesus. Yep. Yep. Love you, Mom. you guys. That means a lot to me. Love you, Mom. <laughs> Thanks, man. There's something on the stage right now. Hey. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, we're going to talk about healing tonight, and uh, I just, I'm going to be really real with you guys, something we went through in our family recently, uh, even since I saw you last. So the last time I saw you, my wife was pregnant with our fifth child. You heard Tom say we have six. And um, she, was, she was about to pop, man, last time. She was really pregnant. And, and, um, and 
yeah, so we, we rolled to the hospital. She goes into, into labor, and we rolled to the hospital, St. Pete's and Olympia. And, oh, man. So we get over there. She gives birth, and um, they pull that beautiful boy, William, out of her, and um, they, they put William under a, right away, they put him under a heat lamp, and they start tending to her because she, she had some stuff they needed to figure out. It's pretty gruesome. Anyone that's been through delivery, holy moly. <laughs> you feel like you've been in the trenches, you know, like Vietnam or something. <clears throat> so uh, so they, they, they bring baby William over to the, the warmer, and right away, I'm watching the nurses and they're, they're, not, they're not as happy as they should be. They're, something's wrong. And they throw a CPAP on him, which is like a little oxygen thing. His, his O2 levels are too low. And, and um, my wife is a NICU nurse, you know. So she, she, knows, she knows babies. And um, she could see my face because I was like, you know, I knew something was wrong. She looked at me. She locked eyes with me across the room while they're stitching her up. You know, there's literally a fountain of blood squirting out of her and all kinds of stuff. And she looks at me despite all that. And she goes, he's going to be fine. (laughs) Christine's awesome, man. She's awesome. Our first date, we went to pray for the dead together. She's awesome. She brought these little cute pink gloves to lay hands on that body, man. I was like, who is this girl? You know, she's awesome. So she kind of kicked my butt. You know, she said, hey, he's going to be fine. She looked at me and she said it real firm. And so what had happened was two weeks before that, she had gotten a word from the Lord. The Lord had given her word and said, um, he said, the truth is greater than the facts. So that was the word the Lord gave her. And so she was holding on to that through this delivery. And then when baby came out and something was wrong, um, she had that to fall back on. And uh, they, they put the little CPAP thing on him. And, and the doctor comes over. He's like, something's going on. We're going to, we, we need to take an x-ray right now. And so they, literally a nurse s- sweeps up baby in her arms and starts jogging out of the room down the hall. And, you know, nurses don't usually jog with babies. Something's going on. And, and as a dad, you're just clueless. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't know what's going on. There's just, it was, there was like 10 nurses in the room. You know, it's chaos. There's, and there's beeping sounds and everything's going on. My wife's over there. I'm like, is she going to make it? I don't know what's going on. It's easy to get out of the spirit. Yeah. You know, it's easy to get distracted and get overwhelmed by the circumstances. And so um, I just followed the nurse to the NICU. I, I uh, jogged after her, and they get him in there, and they get him all hooked up. I haven't held this boy yet. I haven't got to kiss this child. I haven't dedicated him to the Lord. I haven't, done, I haven't, I haven't touched my baby yet. And, and they, do a, they do an x-ray on him, and the doctor comes up to me, and he says, we have a problem. There's something wrong with your child. It's a 1% thing that happens to 1% of the population in the world. And your babies, all the, ba- the baby's organs are all in the wrong place. And he said, look, and he took his, what's it called, a stethoscope, right? He took that and he put it on the baby's, William's chest. And when he did it, there was no heartbeat. And then he moved it to the back and you could hear the heart. 
the baby's lungs, everything were in the wrong place. And, and the expected life span of a baby like that is very short. And, uh, you know, I asked, can I, can I hold my baby? And I finally get a chance to hold my son. And I just weep over, man, I just started crying. Because, not even because of the bad news, but these babies, man, they come straight from heaven. They're just beautiful. And I'm just loving on my child. And I'm exhausted. We've been up for days. And so I, I pray over him, you know. I'm just broken. I'm just broken. And I pray over him. We're in this alone. No one knows what's going on with this. It's just me and my wife, you know. Love your spouse because there's going to be times where you're not going to have anyone else. So I give William back to the nurses and I go back to our room and we were so tired. We both just crashed out, went to sleep. While I was in the NICU before we went to bed, Christine had been praying because the doctor had gone to her and told her even more details. It was worse than what he said to me because I'm not a NICU nurse like her. She understood exactly what he was saying. He gave her some bad news. And when he left the room, she was like, those are just the facts. That's not the truth. The truth is greater than the facts. That's his job. He's supposed to tell you the medical facts. But that, that's not greater than the truth. So she was totally unintimidated. And she prayed that way. So the next morning we wake up and we go, I go to the NICU to visit William. Christine's sleeping and I see him and they're like, actually, we need to take him. We need to do another x-ray. I said, okay. And so I go back to the room. They do an x-ray and the nurse, come, the nurse comes into our room and she's got the light board, you know, with the x-rays, the thing that's with the light. And she puts up the first one from the night before and it was him and you could see all his organs in the wrong place. And then she took the second x-ray that they just taken. She put it up and there was a baby boy totally healthy. We were singing, we were singing, like, well, I don't remember exactly how she said it, but she was like, I could never thank you. For all of eternity, I could spend all of eternity thanking you, and it would never be enough time, you know? I can't, I can't talk. I'm so thankful. He could have just done that alone. And He could have just done that miracle and it would have been enough, but he also saved us. <laughs> oh. This is William, man. This is him. 
Now, when I say he's healed, I'm saying there is no problems at all with this child. Not one problem. He's walking. He's talking. The kid is great. He's he. <laughs> okay, it was such an incredible healing that the nurse was like, we don't know what to do. They considered that they messed up the x-rays. You know, they considered that it was a different child that they x-rayed. They considered all kinds of stuff. And then the doctor came in. Check this out. The doctor came in. He took Christine aside privately. And he said, listen, I know what I told you yesterday. I need you to not tell anyone (laughs) that I said that. He was like, I clearly got it wrong. (laughs) <laughs> man, because it's like, you know, this healing thing and, and raising the dead and all this stuff, it's the world needs it, man. We need it right now. Like the church is being mocked by hell right now. And like we need to show that our God is king, you know, and, and, and that's awesome, man. I love going to the nations and seeing sick healed. I love all that. But when it comes to your own personal life, when it comes to your own door, it's a different game. And you got to know that you know that you know that God loves you and he's for you. And then when he speaks his word, you can bank on it. You can take it to the bank. Man, my wife did. I think the reason why that miracle happens because she stood her ground, you know. She was, she was a lioness, man. She didn't let the devil push her around. She's sitting there with blood squirting out of her body and she has the guts to look at me and say, he'll be fine, you know. <laughs> she was awesome, man. She's my rock. So that was a recent miracle for our family that we're really thankful about. Um, I said six, though, so she's pregnant right now again. That's awesome. Oh, man. And Tom knows, man, with this many kids, I mean, life's just crazy. It's crazy. Today, uh, Today, I walked into the kitchen and and I was like, uh, it was just, the house was a mess, you know. It's like, and it's not her fault, right? It's not her fault. It's, it's like trying to keep up with a whirlwind. I mean, you know, you got kids like finger painting with yogurt on the back of the couch. And it was like whole apples stuck between couch seats. Or there's a kid stuck in a chair over there. Like his head stuck in the chair. I mean. I don't even pay attention anymore, you know? (laughs) And I went up to Christine and I said, can I, (laughs) men are so dumb, I'm telling you. I went up to her in this chaos, right? Total chaos. And I went up to her and she's trying her best, you know, just to bring order. And I said, is there, <laughs> I said, is there anything I can help you with? <laughs> now, I genuinely meant that. I really meant it, you know. And she's so sweet, you know, even though she was totally overwhelmed. She was so overwhelmed, she literally couldn't think of anything for me to do. But just, just, just pause for a second. Think about it. It's so stupid what I asked. All the women are like, yep. 
And I actually took Holy Spirit, tapped me on the shoulder, and I wrote it down. He just said, look around. <laughs> he said, the floor is a mess. Just because I was just right there in the kitchen, and it was just a mess. And he said, if you have to ask how you can help when you can plainly see what needs to be done, do you really want to help or are you just acting like it? And he said, clean the floor. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> was great. I wonder how often it's like that with God, you know, where we're like, what can I do for you, Lord? And he's like, just look around. Look at everything around. What are you talking about? Can you do something? There's a ton to do. Just go do it. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a green light until it's a red light kind of guy. What I mean by that is like, he's going to stop me. He's got to stop me from doing kingdom stuff if he wants me to, because I'm just going to do what, whatever's in front of me. I'm just going to try to do it. And if he wants to stop me, he can give me a red light. But I'm going to assume it's, I'm going to assume it's green because he told us to go do it already. Like, like, why do we need another word to go do it? Just clean the floor, you know? I, just, I think that's why my wife didn't have a response because she's like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> Anyways, good times. You guys good? I love being here, man. You guys are quick to laugh. It makes me, it just makes me feel at home, man. I can't stand it when like you're just being yourself and it is funny and people don't laugh. It makes me feel like. (laughs) I'm just, yeah. Humor is like an indicator of health. I'm telling you. It's it's really important. Um, Okay. Let's talk about healing. Is that cool? All right. Um, my, my story with healing began actually in Mongolia. Okay. Um, I, I got tricked by Jesus to go on this mission trip to Mongolia. I was, okay. I was, I was a Baptist boy. Okay. And God, you know, God knows I love all denominations. Okay. As I make cracks at any denomination, I'm not being bitter towards them. Okay. All church denominations, everything we do in church is funny. It should be funny. Right. And, you know, my Baptist church, God bless them. They imparted to me a honor for the word of God. And I'll never, ever uh, be able to pay that debt back, you know, but also, we skipped over 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Like we would land on 13. We'd read that to the death, you know, but we weren't going to talk about tongues or prophecy because, and I didn't even know why as a young person, I didn't know why we skipped over those parts. I was like, that part sounds kind of cool, you know, and we would just skip over it. Um, so I go on this mission trip and I'm with my leader is someone that does believe in the things of the Spirit. He, believe, he believes in healing. And I didn't know that, or I probably wouldn't have gone. That's why Jesus tricked me, okay? So we, 
we fly into Ulaanbaatar, the, the capital of Mongolia, and we drive, sorry, we, we fly there and we fly to another city. And then we get in these terrible Russian vans and we drive on these dirt roads for 42 hours. People, <laughs> dude, people were throwing up left and right. 42 hours on dirt roads. And the seats, Tom, the seats, dude, the seats in the back faced each other. <laughs> I remember the lady in front of me, she turned kind of green. And I reached down in one swift motion. I grabbed some unfortunate soul's uh, sleeping bag and just held it up like a barrier in front of me. I just heard a splash on the other side. Life is good, man. I love being a missionary. It's good. So we keep driving. We're driving, driving. Everybody's car sick, you know, falling apart. We finally get up to the border, basically. We're way up in northern Mongolia. And we get out. We get settled. And my leader comes to me, and he's like, hey, there's, a, there's supposedly a group of people, about 40 to 50 people that live in the woods, further in the boonies, okay? And an evangelist had gone through and had preached the gospel to him. They'd received the gospel. And he, and he was like, I feel like the Lord is telling us that he wants to do some physical healing with them. My Baptist brain, he said healing. He didn't say physical healing. He just said, I feel like God wants to do some healing with them. And my Baptist brain was like, oh yeah, emotional healing. Great. I said that out loud. Oh, okay, yeah, emotional healing. He goes, no, no, physical healing. Like God wants to heal their bodies. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I remember he like laid hands on four or five of us on the team. And he was like, get to healing, get to healing. Get to. I was like, what was that? <laughs> here's, a, here's a Baptist that doesn't know the Bible talks about impartation, right? That's the funny thing is like sometimes, well, I won't get into it, but sometimes we omit things because of our paradigm, right? And, uh, so he lays hands on us. We jump back in the van and we drive up further into the woods and we get up there, we get out of the van and it's, it's me and some friends of mine from Biola University. I went to Biola down in LA, okay? Bible Institute of Los Angeles. And so uh, we get out and we, we knew that we were supposed to be there to pray for the sick, but we didn't know how to do that. So we didn't do it. <laughs> We just stalled. We were like, what should we do? Let's do a drama, you know? <laughs> and it, like, just failed miserably. So it's just, like, awkward just standing there. And I was finally like, maybe we should do what he told us to do, you know? Now that everything we tried to do failed. And I looked at my friends. I was like, I'm just going to try. And they were like, okay. So... This is not in my church paradigm. I haven't been to Randy Clark's healing school. I didn't know what Bethel was. You know, it's like I had no four-step model. No one had taught me. And uh, I said through the translator, I said, if anyone's here sick, we want to pray for you. Can you raise your hand if there's something wrong with your body? And as people began to raise their hands, my friends were branching off and, and going over and praying for them. And I remember the group of people split, and this man came from the back of the group, and grabbed my hand and pulled me through the crowd to the back. And 
in the back, on the ground, in the dirt, was a woman, probably in her 70s, that was a mess. Um, her, her bones were, she was like a human knot. Her, I remember distinctly, I mean, she was all wrapped up in a ball, uh, but I remember distinctly this bone, or these bones right here, uh, they were, they looked like a C. It was all bent. And the man looked at me and said, he, he signaled, he said, you pray for her. And in my head, I was like, dang it. <laughs> I was like, seriously, God, we couldn't have started with like a migraine or a stub toe. And so I just prayed the most honest prayer that I had. I just said, God, I don't know what to do. That was the truth. I had no idea where to start or where to end or anything. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me, even as a Baptist that hadn't been trained in how to hear the voice of the Lord. It was as clear as day. He said, if Jesus Christ were here right now in the flesh, what would he do? And what my brain did was I went back and I did a Google search in my brain through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And I searched really quickly for any time where Jesus turned someone away when they asked him to heal him. Because, you know, if I can find that loophole... <laughs> And it, man, I'm telling you, this revelation hit me like a sack of bricks. I realized that there's no place in the Gospels where someone that asked Jesus for healing, he turns them away and says, says it's not God's will. He, he, every single time, he healed them. Every single time. If they attached him to their problem, he solved the problem. Anytime Jesus ran across the dead, he raised the dead. If you attach Jesus to the problem, he is the solution. You can just do it on your own and try to do it without him. It's not going to work. But it just, I, it blew my Baptist mind. Because, okay, this is why. This is why. I grew up, and if someone actually prayed for someone else that was sick, the prayer that someone prayed was, Lord, if it be your will, you can heal them. But the problem about, about that prayer is it doesn't take any faith. There's no knowledge of who God is behind that prayer. If someone breaks into my house and they go into my kid's room, my kids are not going to say, Dad, if you want to help me, there's a man in my room. <laughs> what are they going to do? They're going to say, Daddy, help! And I'm going to come in there and blaze that fool. <laughs> right? Because that's how a good dad is. <laughs> so if you have a problem, you say, Daddy, help. And he comes running, man. 
So it's no more this like, if it be your will stuff. Well, dude, you know someone's will because you know them, you know their heart. And if you say a prayer like that, do you know God? It's a scary reality. And so for me, in that moment when he asked me to pray, I had, it was like, it was like, decades of church and everything that I had been taught and that I knew from that had to bump up against the reality of who Jesus really is. And I had to come in a split second to the conclusion that if Jesus Christ were here right now with this woman, there's not a doubt in my mind he would get her up off the ground healer. Because I can't, I can't see, there's no other place, it doesn't, that's all that happened in scripture. You know, even the woman that's like, what is this, is it Syrian Phoenician? Is it Syrian Phoenician or is it, what? Yeah. And she's like, he says, no. She's like, hey, will you heal me? He's like, no. And then she goes, well, come on. And he's like, all right. Because he's, yeah, that's the shortest version ever. <laughs> that's. That's 100% Tyler theology right there. <laughs> so I said back to the Lord, you know, he's asked me, if Jesus were here right now, what would he do? And, and, and uh, I just said, if Jesus were here right now, like, like I was saying it like he's not, but if he were here, <laughs> he would undeniably heal the woman. Like I'm convinced, completely convinced. You know, I, I went on, to learn that the Bible teaches, Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God. So whatever you see in the life of Christ, he's exemplifying the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, you have to look at Jesus. That message, I'm telling you that message, that's the message of the goodness of God. The goodness of God was unveiled through Christ. In fact, the will of God was a mystery. Did you know that? Ephesians 1.9 says that the will of God was a mystery, but God, it was his good pleasure to reveal the will of God through Christ. And man, I'm telling you, that, that right there, that revelation is what started healing in my life. Because I looked at Jesus and I was like, listen, men say all kinds of things about you, but the Bible's really clear. Red letters, this is who you are, and you never turned anybody down. You always healed the sick. So it's always God's will. Does that mean it always happens? No. Does it still mean that it's God's will? Of course. It's his will. Okay, we good? So I said, if Jesus were here right now, he would, he would heal this woman. And the Lord, it was like I could see myself in third person standing there in front of this woman. And I saw Jesus standing behind me. And I just watched him step into my body. And he said, Jesus is here right now. And then his tone shifted and he said, son, heal the woman. There was no more. It, 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 <laughs> he spoke with authority. He wasn't asking me my opinion. He wasn't asking me what my theology is, or what my doctrine is. He's like, Jesus lives in you. Do it. So I just was like, okay. Baptist kid, I'm standing over, and I just say, Jesus, heal the woman. And I open my eyes. I'm speaking English. She speaks Mongolian. I don't have a translator with me, okay? Nothing happens. 
I'm like, this is awkward. (laughs) And he whispers, he says, even Jesus prayed more than once. And I was like, is that biblical? It's in the Bible. He prays for a blind guy, and the guy gets like a partial healing. Something's happening, because he says he sees like trees walking around. No, this is not Lord of the Rings, you know. (laughs) And Jesus prays again, and then the guy has perfect vision. So Jesus, with the fullness of the Spirit, even he, without sin, had to pray more than once. I don't know why it works like that, but that's how it works. So I pray again. And I'm like, Jesus, heal a woman. Same exact prayer. Didn't change anything. I'm done with the prayer in one second. I open my eyes. This time, the woman is smiling. And I'm like, that's good, I guess. You know? And she begins to move her right arm. And as she moves her arm, I can hear cracking and popping. Like someone's got a popcorn machine going. It's loud. It's grinding. It's, it made me uncomfortable. And she's moving her arm. I'm thinking, you know, don't stop. Like, don't do that. She keeps going. It's cracking. She stretches it out, and I remember at one point, she went like this, and her palm faced towards the sky, and when her palm faced towards the sky, I realized this bone was straight. And now, I don't know if you've ever witnessed a full-blown, just instant miracle right before your eyes. Your brain can't compute it. The brain is... It's a natural thing. It's not a supernatural thing. So your brain can't figure it out. So what my brain does, I don't know about you. I'll just be really real with you. My brain goes, this isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) And so I stood back and I looked at the people from her village because I was like, their faces will tell me if this is real or not. Like maybe she just does this on Wednesdays. (laughs) I don't know. God, God can handle your honesty, man. I'm telling you, he can, you just got to be real with him. And so I was like, well, I don't know if she just does this once in a while. This is like her thing. And I look at the people in the village and they're all just quiet and just staring at her. They're not like, yeah, she does this every week. You know, they're, they're engaged, locked eyes on her. And I was like, okay. Something's going on. Then she starts to do the same thing with her left hand, same cracking and popping. It was not comfortable. It did not sound sovereign. It did not sound like there was a miracle happening. And she gets done, and the bones are straight, and it stops cracking and popping when she gets it extended. Everything just was quiet after that. So now she has two functional arms. And at this point, I started feeling um, like there was a feeling of I'm, I'm witness, like God, I, I, I'm, God is here. And it scared me because I realized that I didn't have any ability to know when God was near me. But clearly, the presence of God was there because I'm watching a miracle. And so that freaked me out. I would call it the fear of God. It scared me that I was so unaware of him. And she then took those arms and she put them on either side of her and she began to push 
her emaciated with no muscle, just, I mean, they just look like bones all over her. She was so skinny. She put those crumpled legs underneath her, and now she begins to attempt to stand up. And the same popping and cracking happened, but before I know it, she has stood up and is smiling eye to eye with me. It's awesome. Now that that was that was good. It was good. But she she's in her 70s, something like that, and and the next part is what actually convinced me that a miracle had happened. Because I'm, I've just watched a person that's crippled get up. But the next moment, she smiles at me, just beaming with this surprise in her eyes. And then she just took off running. <laughs> we, were, we were on this hill. We were on this hill. And she sprints down the hill, like 100 yards down this hill, just blazing down the grass. And I'm just standing there. I feel like a doofus. I don't know what to do. So I just went running after her. <laughs> and I catch up with her at the bottom. And you know how, you know, how, uh, you know, a father, a father and a daughter, they'll, when the daughter's young, they'll like, they'll dance and he'll swing her, you know, in a circle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I caught up with her and I can't speak Mongolian. She can't speak English. And we just saw God do something unexplainable. And we grab each other's hands and we begin just spinning each other down the field. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, and this, then this will happen. We, we couldn't communicate. We couldn't communicate. So we, we, we just started screaming. Now, I'm not talking about our church screams. Like our, yeah, Jesus. I'm talking blood-curdling screams. No holds barred, just... There was, no, there was no other correct response than just to scream. We're just screaming at each other, just screaming, screaming, screaming. And I remember I, I, we, we, I look up and my friends are up at the top of the hill. My roommate is up there and Jonathan is, he's, he's laying hands on, uh, on someone, praying for him. And he hears the blood curling screams. And he had his eyes closed. And I remember he heard the screams. And so he like looked, you know, like, what is that scream? And then he saw that it was the woman. And he went, oh. and then he went back to his prayer. <laughs> that moment changed my life, man. And it all, it all revolved around that Jesus shows us the will of God. He reveals to us the will of God. So I don't know what church background. We have people from a lot of different places here tonight. And like, I don't know your church background, but here's the thing. Regardless of what denomination you're in or what doctrine you ascribe to or anything, we all can arrive at this. Jesus is perfect theology. Theology is the study of God. You want perfect theology? Look at Jesus. 
He'll never steer you wrong. He'll always exactly show you, perfectly show you who the Father is. Whew. So I came back from Mongolia. And uh, we went back over there a few more times, and God did more amazing things. I've never been in a place where I've seen miracles pop off like that. I mean, we would, we would just go into the red light district, and God would say, just, just stand in a circle and pray silently. You don't even have to say anything. We just pray silently. People would come up to us, go to the translator. They'd be like, I've heard about Jesus, and I want to get saved. We didn't even say we were Christians. They could feel the presence of God. They'd get drawn to us. Drunks would come up to us. We'd command them to be sober. They'd go sober. We'd preach the gospel to them. They'd get saved, and they'd go drunk again, walk off. I'd never seen anything like this in my life. I'm a Baptist. And, I, you know, secretly, I'm like going to the Baptist church still. And now and I read Jackie Pollinger's book, so now I'm speaking in tongues. You guys know Jackie Pollinger? Chasing the Dragon. Oh, such a good book. I'm reading that in my bedroom at night, and I start speaking in tongues. And because no one taught me about it, I, I felt like I was in sin, you know? I felt like I had some secret hidden sin, like some dude with a pornography addiction, you know? <laughs> At my Baptist church, you know, I'm like hiding the fact that I speak in them all. <laughs> so, so I come back to Shelton and I'm going to my Baptist church and I'm, and I'm there loving on me and I'm loving on them. They're great people. They're awesome. And, and I start just to go to Walmart because I was like, why do I got to go to Mongolia? Like there's poor people at Walmart. So I told the Lord, <laughs> I told the Lord, I said, I said, listen, I believe that you're the same here as you are there. And I'm going to pray until you prove that, till you show that, because I, I just know you're faithful. And so I was like, I'd never seen anybody healed in America. And so I would go at night, sometimes for hours, and I would just pray for everybody and anybody that I saw that was sick. And dude, day in, day out, didn't see anything happen. Over and over and over again. And I just kept going. It was like I got stronger the more I failed. Like failure didn't deter me. When someone wasn't healed, uh, it didn't change anything. Because see, my experience wasn't superior to the word of God. My experience doesn't dictate who God is. The Bible, Jesus Christ dictates who God is. So I have to live my life and keep trying until my experience looks like the Bible. What's, what was crazy to me growing up in a church where we didn't believe in miracles is you can literally you can go to any page in your Bible and something miraculous is happening. Every single page is a miracle. You can't find, you cannot separate God and the supernatural. And so I was like, I'm just going to keep going until it happens. Keep going until it happens. Keep going until it happens. This is, this is like months. And this is just between me and the Lord. I don't even know if anyone else knew. I don't know if my mom knew. I was going from like 11 to 3 a.m. sometimes, praying for everybody. People hated it, man. People didn't know it. I was just on fire. I didn't care. And I was doing it with love. So it was like, it just made people uncomfortable. They were like, oh, here he is again. <laughs> the guy that prays and no miracles happen, you know. And I didn't care. 
I didn't care. At this time in my life, I was starting to discover like intimacy with Jesus. And so it didn't derail me when miracles didn't happen. I was like, let's just keep trying again. Let's keep trying again. One day I'm, I'm driving past Walmart and the Lord said, Jesus did what he saw his father doing. And I was like, what does that mean? You know? And what the Lord was saying was, listen, he wants to heal everyone in Walmart. But some people are ready to receive it. So if you listen to his voice, he'll lead you to the people that are ready to receive a miracle. And when he said, uh, he said that, he said, Jesus did as he saw the father was doing. Okay. That's why, by the way, that's why Jesus didn't just go around healing everyone on the earth. It's because some people were ready to receive a miracle and some people weren't. And so he did as the father showed him and he got led to the people that are ready for a miracle and they experienced the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Okay. So when he said that to me, I saw... Uh, like um, a woven material in my mind. It was like the moment I engaged that, I saw a woven material in my mind. And I was like, okay. So I, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what words of knowledge was. So I go into Walmart. I walk in. And I'm walking around the store. And I walk by the electronics section. And there's a lady with a woven white material shirt on. And I was like, that's enough for me. So I went up to her. And I was like, as I, as I walked up, I get this picture of her and a child being torn apart. And they're like reaching at each other like this. And I was like, what was that? So I said, hey, I know this sounds really weird, but do you have a daughter that's like this tall? She was like, how do you know that? And I said, well, I saw a picture of you two being pulled apart. Does that resonate with you? And she was like, I cannot believe you're saying this. I said, what? She said, my husband, my ex, is in jail, and he's about to get out, and he has formulated a plan that will uh, take the child from me. My, I'm going to have my daughter stripped from me when he gets out. It was dead on. And we prayed, and she got her child back. I kept checking on her, and everything worked out. It was a total mirror. It was great. It was awesome, yeah. But, man, you guys are quick to rejoice. I like it. I could just accidentally say the name Jesus. <laughs> Come on. Come on. The only, the only, I'll be honest, there's very few churches like that in the world. Uh, one time I was in Sri Lanka and I was in, it's, do you, I don't know if you guys know who Kirby is in Sri Lanka. Kirby's awesome. Uh, Kirby, Kirby's awesome. And uh, I was preaching there and it was the same thing. Like there's quick to laugh. If I mention the name Jesus, they just start freaking out. Whew, it's good. So, so from that point on with Walmart, I began to partner words of knowledge with healing. And I started seeing breakthrough. Like right away, started seeing people get healed. Pretty soon, I had the, the greeters would help me pray for people. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, this person needs healing. Come on, come on, lay hands. I don't even know if they're a believer. It doesn't matter to me. They come, they come over there like laying hands on the person. Yeah, oh, yes, yes. It was awesome. I'm in my car one day, and I'm like, uh, I'm like Lord, who, who's ready to receive of your love in there? And immediately I see a red flannel shirt. So I was like, okay. I don't overthink it. I was like, okay. I jump out of my car. I'm walking in. The doors go, boo. And right as the doors do that, a man walks in front of me, merging with me. He's got a red flannel shirt on. And I was like, I go, I go, bro. Because as you know, you just got to be yourself when you're doing evangelism, right? Just be yourself. Don't be like the churchy you. Just be the you you always are. You know? Just be real, man. So I was like, bro. And he goes, Ugh. he turns around and he's got like this oily, scraggly hair. 
He's got dirt just up and down in front of him. He looked like he was logging or something. It is Shelton, so. <laughs> and I said, hey, man, I know this sounds crazy, but by any chance, um, do you have a problem with your right knee? Because when I saw the flannel in the car, I was like, Lord, uh, you know, just knowing the flannel alone doesn't tell me what's wrong with their body. You know, you have a red flannel shirt on. That's not a word of knowledge, right? <laughs> so I'd had this impression that there's something with his right knee. And so I said, bro, do you have something wrong with your right knee? And he goes, how'd you know that? And he got real serious. And I was like, I was thinking it's only going to get worse. You know, this is only going to get weirder from here. I was like, well, I was in my car. And Jesus told me there was someone in here with a red flannel shirt on that had problems with their right knee. This is just in Shelton, down the road. And he goes, Jesus told you, huh? Like that. And I said, yep. Just kind of like, just like waiting, you know. And he goes, actually, I have bursitis in my knee. I didn't even know what that was at the time. And uh, he said, uh, so, um, so what? And I said, well, I don't think God would tell me about it unless he wanted to do something about it. I think he wants to heal you. Can I pray for you? We're in the bakery section. And so right next to the croissants, <laughs> he just goes like this. He goes, go for it. <laughs> and the moment he did that, I got super drunk in the spirit, right? Because like, if someone's going to assume the position, dude, you're about to get blasted. So <laughs> So I, I just dropped down to my knees, right? People are walking by. And I, I put my hands on his knee, and my brain, my brain was like, okay, let's pray a prayer of healing. And then my spirit was like, we got it. And all that comes out of my mouth is, fire God. Fire God. And my brain's like, what are you doing? Just pray a prayer of healing. And my, my, my mouth just goes, fire, Lord. And every time I said it, I could feel the air get warm around me. You guys know how the fire God feels, man. You can feel it manifest, man. It feels so good. And I'm already drunk, so I'm like woozy, and I'm saying fire. And on the third time that I said fire, he jumped up yelling, and he said, he's screaming this. He goes, ow, ow, what did you do to me? This is the worst ministry ever. <laughs> and I was so bombed in the spirit that the fact that he flipped out, it encouraged me. And so I just said, oh, don't worry about it. That's God. And he goes, what? That's God? And I go, bro, I'm telling you, God just did a miracle. Put your weight on your, on your bad leg and, and, uh, you know how when you're drunk in the spirit, you, you got no fear, man, you know? And so I, he, he goes up on his leg, and I said, all right, now, like, 
do a squat, go all the way down and come back all the way up. Because he told me he couldn't do that. It hurt him when he walked. And so he goes down. And when he hit the bottom, he starts pushing back up. His face just went in just complete surprise. And, and I'm just waiting. And his response was the best. He just started swearing. And, you know, at first, my religious spirit was like, oh, you know. And the Lord just goes, dude, chill out, man. This is, this is his way to communicate awe. You know, he's kind of praising the Lord in a real, in a weird way, but. And so literally he is, he is literally dropping the F-bomb and I was next to him going, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) So good. Totally healed. I don't know. I don't always tell this part, but I'll tell you guys because just because it's funny. There's no like teaching thing off of it. It's just funny. I, I, he leaves. Okay. He says, thank you. And he leaves. And I, I'm walking around the store and I'm just jacked. I'm so excited. I'm sure the guy looking at the cameras was like, someone got into the beer, you know, because I was hopping around. I was like shouting and throwing my hand up in the air. I looked like I was on drugs. It was the best. So I go around the store and I'm looking for fresh meat, right? I'm looking for someone else. <clears throat> and I don't, I don't find anybody. And uh, there was, there, I just remember there was this temporary aisle that they had set up, right? Of They'd stacked a bunch of goods in the middle of the main aisle. And I went on one side of it and that guy that I just prayed for went on the other side and he ran into someone that he knew. And I was like, I want, to see if I'm, I want to see if he's really healed, right? Do you see a common theme? <clears throat> I was like, I want to see if he's really healed. And if he's really healed, he's going to tell his friend. So I stop, and I just start eavesdropping. <laughs> and he, he goes, hey, what's going on? They're like, hey, hey. So it was a woman. And he was like, you would not believe what just happened. And, she, and my ears perk up. She goes, she goes, what? And he said, all right, this guy came out of nowhere and told me what was wrong with my body. She goes, oh, okay. And then he prayed fire over my leg. <laughs> and you could just tell by her tone, like she's less into it now. She's like, okay. You know? <clears throat> and then he said, but then the thing is, like my knee was totally, my knee's totally better now. And and it's just, this, it's just this silence. And then she just goes in a really low, masculine voice. She just goes, he was a messenger of God. <laughs> Come on. Jesus. Jesus. Whew. Like when you want to start ministry?
Huh? Well, yeah, we can if you want. But like when do you guys, you guys tell me, he won't tell me. When do you guys normally end on the Sozo Nights? Will you tell me? <laughs> he won't tell me. Uh, that's awesome. <clears throat> you do start to move into it. Awesome. Okay, see? All right, we'll do, we'll do a little compromise. How about I tell one more story, and then we do some ministry. Is that okay? All right. I, this is so weird. I've never done this before, but you guys are fun, and let's just do it. Okay, you ready? These are the, these are the, the stories to pick from. Pam. That's it, Pam. It's really good, I promise. But you're not going to believe me when you hear these other ones. The witch at Walmart. India or Peru? Okay, so I know this is so weird, but I, just say what you want. Don't, you don't have to yell it. Just say what you want. And, and three. One, two, three. You know what? Let's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We want miracles to happen in the United States, don't we? Like, we all know that God heals the sick overseas, right? But we need breakthrough in the Northwest, don't we? Come on. So we could talk about India. We could talk about Pam. We could talk about Peru. We could, we could but let's talk about at Walmart again, okay? Let's do it. Because it's important. Like, it's important. See, if, if they go to Burkina Faso and they come back with miracle testimonies, it's great. But you want to see the, the, the bliss here. You want to see the glory move in this. Dude, our nation needs it right now. Washington needs it. You know, I was just in Tennessee just a couple days ago, and, and, and uh, <laughs> they were like, oh, you live in Egypt. <laughs> like, they're in the promised land, and we're in Egypt. You get me? And I'm like, I understand. I understand. But here's the thing. Regardless of what our officials do, Jesus is king. And honestly, I'll be really real with you guys. We have thought about moving. And the only thing in the last probably year that has made me think otherwise, and I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not flattering you, I'm telling you the truth, is tonight. Here's why. Here's why. Because I'm realizing standing up here that I'm not alone in the Northwest. Come on, Jesus. guys make it easy to preach, man. So easy. Yeah, I hear you. Jesus. All right. So uh, one reason why I love this testimony was is because, uh, well, you'll see. You'll see why. All right. So I've been going to Walmart. You know, I've been praying for the sick, seeing some breakthroughs and stuff. It's been awesome. 
And the Lord, the Lord starts to speak to me and he starts to basically tell me that there's, now I don't want to weird you out, but just hear me out for a second because this stuff's real. He was like, listen, there's satanic worship going on in Mason County, okay? And they are doing terrible things in the woods and it's empowering Satan to do st stupid stuff. And I was like, okay, well, Lord, this is my prayer. I pray that you would take that satanic worship and make it worship for Jesus. Yeah. Like, I pray that you just take care of it. And I was praying about that for a while. Like, we, uh, I'm not going to get into the darkness. Because honestly, dude, I was just in Tennessee. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's really dark here. And I was thinking, okay. <laughs> because everywhere I go, people think that way. And I'm so tired of it. Because... Because we're seated in heavenly places. Like we're not we're not survivalists, we're revivalists. It's not a gospel of defeat, it's a gospel of victory, man. And like I'm I'm not waiting to go to heaven, you guys. I'm I'm bringing heaven to earth. So I'm not going to get into the dark stuff, but the Lord had kind of prompted me in prayer. So I began praying and I'm, and I'm like, Lord, change that satanic stuff into worship for Jesus. Okay. So I'm literally two weeks later, I'm walking through Walmart and I'm in the automotive section. I'm grabbing some oil and a filter to change the oil in my car. And you know how the Walmart has a separate entrance for the car center thing. So I, I get my stuff and I'm walking up to the counter and um, there's a lady at the counter and I kind of stand up next to her and she has this like bright red hair, like dyed fiery red, right? Bright, red, bright, bright, bright. And um, I'm standing there and the cash register's down. So we're stalled for a moment. They can't check her out. She's before me. And I turn and look at her and she turns and looks at me and immediately it became apparent she had a pentagram tattooed on her forehead with devil horns coming out of it. So she looks at me and she goes, do I know you? And I said, nope. <laughs> she was like, it feels like I've met you before. Like you feel familiar. And I wanted to be like, honey, I'd remember you. You know, <laughs> so uh, I said, hey, my name's Tyler. And I, I reached out and shook her hand. Right. Because I'm not scared of devils. How can you believe in impartation? How can you believe that the Bible says that greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world and then be worried about shaking a witch's hand? Do we, do we really think, do we really think that there's that much power that can actually override the river flowing out of your belly? You think, you think the devil can go upstream like that? He's powerless, man. He can't, it can't, it can't happen. Listen, it's an Old Testament reality versus a New Testament reality. The Old Testament priests, they couldn't touch a dead body because they would make them unclean. New Testament, he commands us to raise the dead. Like in the Old Testament, if you touched a dead body, it made you unclean. In the New Testament, you can cleanse a dead body. 
It's the difference between, like I said, survival and revival. In survival mode, you're always worried about defending yourself. In, in, in revival mode, you, you carry the party, and everywhere you go, you bring the party. Okay, so she, uh, we shake hands, and we start talking. And man, she was incredible. She started talking about the spirit realm real quick. And I'm okay with that, right? And, I, you know, I can... And I said, oh, that's an interesting tattoo. And she said, oh, thank you. I, I got it when I became the high priestess witch in this area. And we should be careful with the recording, but we'll be okay. I'm, I'm not going to use a real name, okay? So uh, she's like, I got this when I became the high priestess witch in this area in Mason County. Okay, get me. I've been praying for two weeks for God to tear down satanic worship. And suddenly, I'm now face-to-face with the person putting it on. That's called a divine encounter. Listen, a lot of times in prayer, we don't realize that like prayer isn't about you praying something and God answering the prayer. That's not always what prayer is. Sometimes that happens and that's great. But a lot of the time, prayer is you're praying for something and God molds you into the answer. So like you can't just pray for revival and then think that you're not going to get revived right? Like he's going to light you up. If you're praying for revival in our state, in this region, like get ready because he's going to blast you. So, so now I'm face to face with the problem. Okay. And, uh, she begins to talk about all kinds of crazy stuff and the cash register gets fixed and she pays for her stuff and she begins to walk out. Now, as she walks out, my heart like just went towards her. You know, I, I wanted to go hug her or something. So I just said, I call her Rachel. I said, Rachel. She said, yeah. And I said, I said, uh, can I meet you? Are you in this parking lot out here? She said, yeah. I said, okay, can I meet you out there in a second? Once I get done? She says, yeah, of course. So I pay for my stuff and I'm standing there and I said to the Lord, I said, God, <clears throat> this is all I did in this time in my life. All the only way I knew how to do ministry is by word of knowledge. Okay. And so I said, Lord, I need a word. And he goes, son, I love her. And I go, that's awesome, Lord. But I need a word. (laughs) And so he just goes, he he just with with, I can't I can't communicate what it was like with words. But he said he said it again. He said, son, I love her. And he he said it with the compassion of a dad that has watched his daughter be abused and mistreated and it's broken his heart. And he had no, he had no condemnation towards this witch. None. He only loved her. And I felt this love that was not my own come over me. And I just, I wanted to do anything I could to protect her and to tell her that she's valuable. And it just came over me. And so I just stood there like I realized that if love never fails, that's the best word you can get. And you're not going to lose in ministry. Even if you don't have a word of knowledge, if you have love, you'll still see something happen, right? And so I was like, that's, that's what I've got. I've got love for this woman. And so I checked out and I walked out the door and I went out. She was pouring transmission fluid in her car and I struck up a conversation with her. And uh, we began talking. Now, I haven't said anything about being a Christian. I haven't said anything about any of that. I'm just talking with her. 
Like, you know how it is, man. You just talk with people, just yourself. And like, God begins to do stuff. Uh, and so we're talking, we're talking. And, and she starts to tell me how she gets her power. I'm not going to go into the details, but she starts talking all about it. Okay. And at one point, she started telling me that she got her power by talking to dead people. And, um, and so she, she looked at me and she said, um, have you ever talked to the dead? And I, and I listen, I, I gave her the most unreligious, honest answer that I could give her. I said, no, but I've wanted to. Tyler, they're like, Tom, you had this guy come to the church? Are we sure about this guy? It's an honest answer because my dad died when I was 19. And he, was a, he showed me what grace was. He showed me who God was. He was a man of God. He's the kind of guy that, you know, if he's in a room with broken people, they're all going to go find him just naturally. He won't even have to talk about Jesus. They'll just feel the grace of God on him. And so, yeah, of course, I want to talk to my dad. Right? So that's the background. So I just said, I haven't, but I've wanted to. And she said, well, why haven't you? And I was like, well, she cornered me. I got to tell her the truth. And I said, well, because the Bible actually says not to. And she stopped and she goes, you're a Christian. And she kind of like got into like her like stance. I'm like ready for her to like Harry Potter me. Bring the wand out. She got in like athletic stance. I was like, here we go. You know? We're facing off a little bit. And I was like, I, you know, I tried to talk her down. I was like, I was like, hold up, hold up. I was like, I feel like we were having a real conversation. Do you think so? She was like, yeah. And I said, listen, I have zero need to preach at you or anything like that. I was just enjoying our conversation. She goes, okay. She goes, you're a Christian. Hmm. She goes, that's what's familiar about you. And I go, what do you mean? And she said, I used to be a Christian. I said, really? I said, well, what's up? She goes, she goes, well, you know, I, I wasn't one of those wimpy Christians. I was one that, that danced and spoke in tongues. And I was like, and she goes, but now I've given myself over to white magic and da 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 da. And I was like, I, and I, I was real with her. I was like, listen, it doesn't matter if it's black or white, it's the same. She liked that. I felt her kick back against it a little bit. And I said, hold up. I said, you know, let's just chat. Let's just talk. She goes, man, it's, I knew there was something familiar about you. You know, Holy Ghost. I was like, yes, ma'am. She goes, okay. Hmm. And I said, you know what? Let me pray for you right now. She goes, what? I said, let me, let me pray for you. She goes, I'm high priest. I know. I know. But God loves you. She goes, hmm. Okay. Okay, fine. You can pray for me. So I go over to her, and I reach up, and I lay my hand. I said, can I put my hand on, on your head? She said, yeah. And I, I put my hand on her head, and I begin to pray. But I didn't have any normal words. Like, they just, my, my mind went blank. And you guys know what that means, right? Right? Time to bring out the big guns. And, and I was like, and, I, and you remember, I was a Baptist, right? Look, I just realized that I spoke in tongues to a witch first, mom, before in our church. 
I'm not even kidding. It just clicked. Oh, man, that's hilarious. So I'm about to pray over her, right? And I said to the Lord, I said, I said, God, what if this weirds her out? And he said, son, she's a witch. He goes, she's seen weirder things than that. So it's like, okay. So I just began praying in tongues. I'm like, shaka rabba satarabah. And the moment I start, she starts manifesting demons, right? And I, uh, that doesn't bother me. I think it's cute. So I just keep praying. And, and as I'm praying, um, remember, he hasn't given me any English words to, to pray. I'm just praying in tongues. And as I'm praying, I see her be molested by men. And I see... Uh, a couple other things. And then I see, um, I see her sitting on Papa God's lap and he's, he's like, he's like, uh, he's messing with her hair just gently. And he's like whispering like his love into her ear. And so I began to speak out what I was seeing. I see you sitting on Papa God's lap and he just loves you. And he's speaking like love over you. He has no condemnation towards you. And she starts, she starts crying and all of a sudden, I get this like pain, searing pain in my back. And I go, uh, do you have back pain? She says, she's, she's like crying. And, and she's a mixture right now between crying and demons and all kinds of stuff, right? There's all kinds of stuff going on. And, but she nods. And I said, can I touch? I know. Can I, t- I knew that she'd been molested. You understand? Yeah. And I knew the point was right above her butt. And so I'm like, this isn't the way you're supposed to do this, right? Like they, te- they teach you in church not to do it this way. So I, was, I wanted to make sure she didn't feel violated in any way. So I asked her, I said, can I place my hand on your lower back for your back pain? She, she goes, yeah. She got it out. She said, yeah. So I placed my hand on her lower back. She trusted me with that. She let me do that. A stranger. So that speaks of her. That's amazing. And the moment I touched her lower back, For some reason, the demons went. I don't know why. And I I, I get done. I stop. And I'm just standing there, like, wondering what's going on. Because I don't know if she's healed. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And she said, she came out of it, and she said, well, that's the last straw. Those were her words. And I'm I'm like, that doesn't sound good. Like... (laughs) And I said, what do you mean by last straw? And she said, well, you don't know what's been going on. And I said, no, I don't. She said, well, I didn't tell you about my past, but I was molested from these ages to these ages, and then I got married, and that marriage fell apart. And then I went the other way, and I started, I married a woman, and that didn't work out. And now I'm on my, what was it, third failed marriage. And she said, it's falling apart. And he, the man, her husband, uh, (laughs) she goes, he's a Christian. Like, you think you have marital problems, you guys. (laughs) And I was thinking, like, I'm no psychologist, but I think I've figured out the issue in your marriage. (laughs) 
said, we, we haven't gotten along and things have been falling apart and he wants to stay married and I want to leave. And he says that God wants us to stay together and all, all this stuff. And so they got marital counseling. I'm not making this up. They got marital counseling from the satanic church. They had, they had her superior come and they, they met with them and she literally sat down because this is how the devil is, sat down and cursed their marriage to both of them. Like literally was like, your marriage is going to, this is it. It's done. Cursed it. So after that marital counselor, a.k.a. witch, leaves their house, they get in a massive argument. And it was so bad. I'm about to make you feel better about your marriage. It was so bad, knives came out. And at the height of the argument, she sarcastically said, if by three days your God undeniably tells me that he loves me, I'll become a Christian. Three days later, she's standing at the desk at Walmart, and she thinks she knows this guy standing next to her. He accurately prophesies to her to the pain in her heart about her dad. Her back gets healed. And the reason why she said, that's the last straw, is because she was tallying up in her head what I was getting right. And when her back got healed and God ministered to her heart, what she told me, she said, I've never heard anyone talk about the Lord like that. I've never heard anyone with such a father's love, talk about God the Father. And that's what she meant by it's the last straw. What she meant was that was the tipping point for her to want to receive Jesus. So I'm standing there. She tells me that. And I'm standing there. And we're just looking at each other. And the Lord's like, dude. (laughs) On my shoulder. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And then I'm all, this witch wants to get saved. <laughs> so I, I go, do you, do you want to get saved? <laughs> she gets saved. You know, like she's praying the sinner's prayer, and I swear, I was like scanning the horizon for the closest tattoo removal parlor, you know? (laughs) Like, where are we going to get that thing off your face, you know? So she gives her life to the Lord, and um, about a week later, she went out in the woods, and she burned tens of thousands of dollars worth of ritualistic, nasty stuff. Come on. He's up. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. Come on. That's just down the street, you guys. Come on. 
Listen, I know that God has highlighted Silverdale and Shelton to you guys. I know that. And uh, dude, let's do this thing, man. I was, I was, I was sitting here and I was thinking during worship, I was like, man, like, cause we, we help out at a church in Lacey. It's called Gateway. Uh, Pastor Sung, and they're really good people, man. I was thinking, man, we need to send our people over to these guys' events, and these guys need to come over to our events. Like, because you know what? Here's the thing there's no, there's no, uh, how do I say? It? There's no, okay, this is gonna sound weird, but hear me out. There's no denominational spirit on you guys. What I mean by that is you don't dictate unity by denomination, you dictate unity by the spirit. And I love that. Thank you. Thank you for being like that. Like he, he's not competing, you guys. You know, most pastors, they don't want to get involved with someone else's program because it's competition. That's a lesser way, man. Let's work together. Let's work together. Uh, um, okay, we can, we can pray. Uh, but you know what? Can I just read something I posted to Facebook real quick? Is that Okay. I got, I'm in jail right now, by the way. So I couldn't post about the event tonight because they wouldn't let me. Because uh, I said, I said this, is what, this is what got me flagged. <laughs> I think it's funny, but they didn't. Um, I said, I just said, Big Pharma makes uh, Pablo Escobar look like an amateur. And it got, me, it got me kicked off Facebook. Uh, I was so happy. I was like, man, seven days to do whatever I want. It's great. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, let me just read this real quick, okay? Because actually during worship... I still don't, I still don't have figured out what the Lord is telling me, but it had something to do with unity. And I know, I know it has to do with you guys are ready for unity. And, and I think you're ready to work with other people. I know Darren loves you guys. Um, he's going to continue to. Darren's the same way. He doesn't have that divisional thing. Um, there's, there's, there's apostolic people in the Northwest that are ready for it. Like we're, you guys aren't alone. Okay. Uh, okay. So this is what I wrote. And I feel like it's, it's, it's your heart. Uh, it's part of your heart, okay? I said, there's a perversion floating around in culture driven by religion that suggests that unity is a setting aside of our convictions, a compromise in order to come to a place of agreement. I'll tell you from experience that it doesn't work. A watering down, I just closed it. A watering down of what you really believe won't be able to put out the fire that burns within you anyways. What you've heard from God won't go away despite how much we ignore it or bury it under the fear of man. Unity isn't dictated by agreement. You hear me? Apply that to your marriage. Seriously. Unity isn't dictated by agreement. A married couple are in unity, and I promise you, they're not in agreement about many things. Unity isn't compromising your convictions in order to meet someone halfway in order to get the dangling carrot of unity. Most people think that unity takes sacrifice. Not so. Unity is a thing of the spirit. Unity happens effortlessly when we arrive at truth. Unity isn't earned, it's given. Unity isn't merely agreement, which is of the mind. Unity is deeper. It's harder to tack down, flowing from the unseen. Unity happens when we're both standing before Jesus. 
Listen, there wasn't one, there wasn't any lack of unity in this room when we were worshiping. We were all on the same team. Unity is that feeling you get when you just met someone and feel like you've known them your whole life. Unity is a thing where despite color of skin or denomination or stature, you would take a bullet for this person. Unity cannot be achieved. It's discovered. Unity is when you love someone so much that you care very little about how much you agree. In fact, now that you think of it, there are probably tons of areas you disagree with them. But that's of little concern to you because you delight in them so much. Unity is a realizing that we are the same while being vastly different. And those differences are not points of contention, but varieties to be enjoyed. Can I say that again? Unity is a realizing that we are the same while being vastly different. And those differences are not points of contention, but varieties to be enjoyed. Many of us are unifying right now. Many of us are waiting on the edge of the promised land for others to arrive at this same place of truth. We must focus on recognizing who the real enemy is. The real enemy is not one another, but the giants in the land. Let's unify and wipe them out. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.